I find that when us human beings have suffered enough pain, that is the motivation to do what needs to do, um, heal what needs to heal, learn what you need to learn to move into peace and alignment and connection with yourself and the people that you love. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? So good. Good to meet you officially. <laughs> nice to meet you too. I guess do you want to just start us out by introducing yourself a little bit about you and then specifically what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, my name is Erica Wright. And for those of you who don't know me, um, I am a relationship coach and communication specialist. And so I kind of look at how, you know, if there's symptoms going on in the relationship that aren't feeling great, this hurts, that does, that's tight, whatever it is, um, a fight, a uh, hurt feeling, whatever it is, we want to look at how, what, how can we realign the communication? And it's almost like a chiropractic approach. So if your knee hurts, the chiropractor might align, realign your spine, and then the symptoms fade away. So same thing in a, in a romantic relationship is we're looking at that spine um, as the communication, as the um, interactions that go on between you and a partner. So really looking at like, okay, well, how do we realign uh, the spine of communication in your relationship so the symptoms subside? Um, and, you know, really, I, I work both with individuals and couples and some families. And to me, it's like it's creating this un mess withable connection. And um, I I work with tons of people who are looking to shift and change or improve something in the way that they think, feel, act, or react. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's um, awesome. I love that. So how, yeah. how did you get into this? What was like your driving factor like <laughs> to get yeah. into this? Because I feel like it's such a unique kind of perspective and area. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, it really started with my own journey and, um, like my younger brother, who's also a coach would say pain is the portal to peace. And so I find that when us human beings have suffered enough pain, that is the motivation to, do what needs to do, um, heal what needs to heal, learn what you need to learn to move into peace and alignment and connection with yourself and the people that you love. Um, so yeah, started with, with my own kind of personal journey. And, um, I used to actually be a graphic designer and, um, chef. I had a catering company for a while, like just I've, I've done all sorts of stuff, but when I found the world of, um, personal development and healing and, um, moving, you know, from pain to peace. Uh, and I saw that for myself. I would just like, I was just consumed. I was like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And, uh, here we go. <laughs> I'm on the journey. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And yes, I a hundred percent agree. Like the times that we can turn our pay, 
our pain or the things that we've been through into something greater and a business especially I feel like we're so much more successful and joyful in what we're doing oh yeah 100 percent oh my goodness yeah so you know I I'm I'm getting that you know if you're here listening to this podcast whoever's listening right now like I, I can tell, I already know just like based on this podcast that you're the kind of person that just gets things done that really like looks, how do I move ahead to feel better, to be better, to expand myself, my consciousness, um, uh, my business, my family, like how can I create those deeper connections and such a beautiful thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. So one of the things that you spoke about is um, kind of going through and having those difficult experiences or whatever that may be feeding into your current relationship. Um, I think it's probably important to kind of define what trauma is and then define relationships and the types of relationships that we can have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, and th- this might be kind of a unique uh, view on on trauma that I have. And it really comes from something called rapid resolution therapy, which um, is a modality that I'm trained in and I highly encourage you all to check out. Um, so really looking at, okay, like what goes on with trauma? Like what what is that? What is it all about? And um, what I've discovered for myself is that um, something happens, a disturbing event happens, and it really doesn't even matter what that thing is. It could be um, as severe as uh, seeing your mom killed in front of you or something like this. Um, It could be sexual trauma, um, or it could be that you're a parent forgot to pick you up from school and you were the last one there and you were all by yourself. So the event itself, um, you know, isn't like as key to look at as what happens after the event. And so, um, you know, what goes on is a disturbing event happens. And the more disturbing it is, what goes on with the mind. And when I say the mind, I'm talking about the unconscious or subconscious part of our mind. Um, we of course have this like beautiful conscious mind that can come up with ideas and can reminisce and be creative. And then there's this other part of the mind, the subconscious mind. And so that's where, um, data gets stored, especially when it comes to a disturbing event, data gets stored there. Um, and, in in, in a way that where that, uh, information, that data that, uh, happened in the event, it doesn't process through. And so I like to think of it as if, um, you know, our mind is processing like like a computer, like a million bits of information a day. And it does a really darn good job at it. Like even we can turn on the news or even scroll through social media and see some really disturbing stuff. But most of that just, it filters through, it processes through. And I even think of it like um, uh, kind of like a, a colander. Like if you and your kid were playing at the beach and you have one of those like shaker colander things where the sand can fall through, um, it's, it's almost as if like you're, um, you have that colander with the sand in it and you're shaking it through, shaking it through, right. It's mind processing information that comes in. Um, now if something, uh, is disturbing it, like 
poofs up like a wet clump of sand and it can't filter through or like sometimes I think of it like it poofs up like a big marshmallow and um so it's trying to filter through this bit of data from this disturbing event is trying to filter through but it can't because of the way the mind um processes something that's disturbing is it makes it really big um so that happens it poofs it up um and like for instance uh if there was this story of a guy walking down the street and um he was attacked and like uh the guy who was coming to mug him was like holding a knife to his face and when he went to the police afterwards you know the police was trying to gather information and um they're like okay well you know we're gonna need to know uh, about any witnesses like did like who do you do you remember like seeing people around so we can get information from them he's like i don't remember i, I mean i just remember the knife and he's like okay well uh, how about the guy like what did the guy what was the guy wearing what did he look like he's like i don't know like all i can remember all i can just all i can see is that knife in front of my face right so that's how the mind works when it comes to something disturbing is it poofs it up it makes it really really big it like zooms in on it you know like you would on an iphone and that's what like lodges here in the subconscious mind and it doesn't process through and then to make matters worse um it, it's almost as if like if it's a poofed up marshmallow we then drizzle well the mind does we don't consciously do this of course but drizzles like syrup like sticky wiggly syrup all over this poofed up marshmallow and even more so it can't get through and what that sticky wiggly syrup is is the meaning that our unconscious mind is adding to what happened either about ourselves or about the world or whatever it may be and um this is not at all happening on a on a conscious level it's not like something disturbing happens and then you're like well I'm gonna make that mean that you know I was bad or wrong or I should have never been there or how could I have done that to myself mm -hmm. this all just kind of automatically happens at an unconscious level but the thing is so now we've got this pooped up marshmallow hanging out in the subconscious mind and it can't process through it's like the sand in the shaker is all wet and clumpy and it can't process through it can't like go through right and so what we want to do with that disturbing event um and then the trauma is actually what happens after the event so an event might be horrific or disturbing and then trauma is what occurs after with how the mind processes or doesn't do a great job processing that bit of data right and so the way that we clear trauma, the way that I clear trauma with my clients is we basically like, if you're thinking of that colander with the sand shaking, you see these like little wet clumps of sand, it's not filtering through. We take a hairdryer to those sand clumps and dry out, evaporate the water and the sand filters through. Um, or we wash away that syrup and shrink that marshmallow so that it can filter through the mind. Um, so that's kind of how I think about, uh, trauma and how, how to process it, how to clear it and all the gunk that comes along with it. Yeah. So then how do we move from like, you know, having that trauma and working through it and like, mm -hmm. what does that, what impact does that have on our relationships and maybe mm -hmm. the style of relationships that we have? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I know we wanted to weave in some attachment style conversation to this, um, to this talk. So, um, yeah, so, you know, there's a couple things that impact ability to create a like a secure 
connected relationship that really feels good for both partners. And one is um, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, emotions, actions, and reactions that come along with attachment styles. The other is any bit of trauma. Um, and that's small T or large T um, trauma. Like it could be something that's that was one time and felt you know, extremely severe, or it could be something small that happened over a period of time. Um, and, um, you know, of course, like, you know, complex uh, PTSD, complex trauma, where, uh, you know, at a young age, something happens over and over and over, over many years with a child between a child and a parent. So um, there, there, there are all the, you know, th those are the things that would probably be impacting your ability to, um, create a secure relationship with your partner. And the way that you can see this is just looking at the um, the behaviors or thoughts or emotions that don't work, um, that you're noticing, okay, this is what's going on in my relationship. This is how I'm thinking, feeling, acting, reacting. And this is definitely um, not creating connection. In fact, it's creating disconnection between myself and my partner. Um, so I like to break these things down into just like, even if you want to focus on one specific kind of thing that, you know, you sometimes do or a way of thinking, um, that's where to focus. Um, and so, yeah, j just because I know you, um, uh, you guys are curious about these different attachment styles, we can, let's definitely, we can go through those attachment styles so you're aware of what they are. And um, really, as we do this, I'll encourage you to um, just, you know, get curious about, okay, well, even if there's like one thing you notice of like, hmm, yeah, that kind of sounds like me, um, not necessarily trying to fit yourself in a box of an attachment style. These are like, general high-level lenses through which to look at behavior. And um, attachment styles can, um, I mean, it's really just looking at like, how do I connect with others? And how do I connect with myself? Um, and um, the way an attachment style is created is through your relationship with your primary caregiver or parent. And um, uh, you know, super high level, basically, if your parents or caregivers were really tuned in to your needs and could even guess your needs, obviously, you, you're speaking um, through crying and laughing and nonverbals at that age. Um, but really, it, it's about like, if if you felt um, if your needs were were met at that age in, you know, a secure attachment way with a parent or caregiver, then there'll be secure attachment between the kid and the caregiver. And um, there was a, um, a research study done between parents and kids, and they're kind of exploring like, oh, like, how are kids relating to their parents and why and all this? And, um, uh, you know, it, it, I'll, I'll kind of, maybe I'll share that as I go through these attachment, these different categories. Um, so, and nobody fits really perfectly. I'm just going to say that. Um, uh, and it's, yeah. So just kind of listening, um, to hmm, like, maybe I fit there and you'll, you will notice some overlap between these categories. Um, I even just group them all and there's insecure attachment and secure that kind of simplifies things, but I will, I'll share these insecure, um, what, you know, these categories just so you guys can kind of tune in. And so, 
um, there are, um, there's anxious attachment, there is avoidant, there's disorganized, um, which is also called fearful avoidant. And it's kind of seems to be a little bit of a mix between anxious and avoidant. And then the fourth category is, of course, secure. Um, so um, with this research study that was done between parents and kids, we'll look at how anxious, uh, you know, like if, if a kid is anxiously attached, we'll kind of look at how that plays out. And um, so in this research study, what would happen is, you know, parents would be in a room with th their kid and the toys connecting, playing, whatever. Then they'd have the parent walk out and leave the room and they'd observe what happened would happen with the kid when the parent would leave. Mm -hmm. They'd also observe what would happen with the kid when the parent came back in. And so with anxious attached um, kids, uh, the parent would leave and the kids would go from just like happy, yay, whatever, mom's here to like screaming, crying, freaking out, like so like needy and clingy, even like running after the parent or crawling after the parent. Um, just like it, it, it looked like the kid thought, you know, he might die, which mm -hmm. is exactly what's going on in the, you know, subconscious part of the mind is that this is all about survival. And it is true that if a caregiver leaves a child at a young age, that that kid probably would die given that they can't feed themselves and, you know, do the necessary things to survive. So mm -hmm. that's where all this comes from is this deep fear of not being connected with, you know, with someone it goes from, you know, not being connected, not feeling safe with mom or dad or caregiver. And then if it doesn't get cleaned up, then it goes to uh, extreme fear of not being connected with the romantic, your romantic partner. Um, so that's how it kind of translates. And so some of these, um, uh, you know, characteristics of the like uh, anxious attachment is um, it's like the thought of being without your partner or like just even being alone in general causes high levels of anxiety. Um, people who identify, um, you know, and I don't even like the, I don't, I don't, you identifying with something like you, we are not our thoughts, feelings, emotions, behaviors. Um, we have thoughts, feelings, emotions, and behaviors, but we are not that. And so it's just noticing like, ah, okay, well, um, this is what's been going on. Um, but that's not me. Like, I'm not an anxious person. I'm someone who has occasionally has anxious thoughts, if that makes sense. That differentiation is really huge as we're going to be looking through. Um, I love that. Yeah. We don't let yeah. our emotions rule us. We rule over our emotions. Yes. Yes, precisely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as soon as you become the observer of the emotion, then it has no power over you anymore. And so, um, and, and same with the behavior, um, you know, it, it's just, it's not you and it's something that's been going on. That's been caused outside of conscious awareness. That's just an old pattern. That's it. And so as soon as we can see it and shine light on it, we have the power to shift, to shift it or seek support to, um, uh, you know, to have somebody who can shift it for you. That's, that's more so the work that I do. Um, uh, you know, for instance, uh, 
like I, I worked with a client who was like, I like, I know my partner's not, um, you know, I know like they love me and they're not like cheating on me or anything. Like I know that at a conscious level, but like, I can't help that when they're out and about, I'm just like, I think worst case scenario, I get really anxious and scared. I'm like texting them a lot and checking in a lot. And they're like, what the heck? Like, dude, I'm just having like a beer with my friends or something like that. And so she's like, but I just like, I can't stop it. And she's been putting all this pressure on herself to like, just stop doing that. And it, it doesn't really work like that because this stuff is going on at an unconscious level. Um, you can't just, a lot of the times you can't just like consciously be like, okay, well just stop doing that. Um, it, it, we've got to go deeper into that subconscious mind and actually speak the language of the subconscious mind, um, to, yeah, be able to shift that at that really core level. Yeah. I definitely, um, feel that I, I have lots of big tree trauma and trauma Mm -hmm. and, that has been one of the hardest things for me is going from like a um, very unhealthy relationship and going through um, sexual trauma and mm-hmm. then trying to create a healthy relationship from that. And yeah. I I would do things, you know, that I was like, why am I doing this? Like yeah, I, yeah. I did it so unconsciously. And then after the fact, after that kind of wave of initial emotion and, you know, everything went through me, then I could kind of back out of it and be like, why did I act that way? And then I would have to go through those kind of unconscious thoughts and behaviors and dig through maybe where that was coming from, why I was feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And I also had to make sure that I was like, addressing it with my partner too and being like I'm sorry I did this this is where it came from maybe xyz um you -hmm. could help me maybe work through that in a different way by you know doing this instead of this or something like that to help me kind of work through it right right yeah absolutely and um yeah I mean what I find when we actually like uh you know flush that marshmallow through or, you know, take the hairdryer to the sand clumps and it, you know, the old data from traumatic, um, from, or really disturbing events when that stuff flushes through, it actually like, it releases like this surge of energy that you now have access to the surge of power that you have access to. And, um, like what, what I, for me, what this work is all about is getting, like really it's like spreading good news throughout all facets of your mind that that event happened but it is no longer happening Mm -hmm. and so that's the other way that's the other um thing with how the subconscious mind works is that something disturbing happened in the past and it registers because it has no sense this part of your mind has no sense of time it registers it as still happening It's like a iPhone with like a bunch of like, you know, apps, tabs open. And it's actually even like draining energy um, from your system while all those, you know, extra apps and tabs are open. Um, And so when we can get the new, the good news throughout those parts of your mind that sure that you can recall the details of the event, um, but your mind now knows it's no longer happening. And then the emotional reaction, um, the emotions around it can no longer be sourced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a wild thing that occurs. Yeah, um, that is so yeah, cool. 
Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that's that's what I see for for anyone who has anything where if I ask you to think of, you know, something that felt disturbing or painful or anything or even like guilt, like we're looking at emotions like fear, anxiety, resentment, anger, shame, guilt, all those things. If you're if you can think about something that happened in the past and one of those emotions comes up. What that lets me know is that your mind still is thinking, this is still happening. Um, we have the ability to like imagine things and think back on things. And that is what kind of mucks up this process. And so it really is about you being able to recall any event from the past. You could tell me all the details um, and there isn't the emotion attached to it anymore. Because there's nothing to be done because it doesn't, it's in the past. It's, mm -hmm. it's over and done with. So um, once you kind of yeah. process through that stuff mm -hmm. um, and you move it from feeling like it's something that is happening to you right now to something yeah. that has happened in the past, are we mm -hmm. then able to shift our attachment style along with it so that we're not stuck maybe yeah. in that same attachment style that we were before? Totally. Yeah. I mean, um, Nobody is ever stuck with any way of being or thinking or feeling. It can all, our mind is so malleable and flexible and creative. And um, as what I've, what I've seen when it comes to people who come to me and most of the time it's somebody who identifies as saying, I'm, a, I'm an anxious attachment style, right? And with that comes, you know, uh, a series of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And so when we clear um, flush that marshmallow through, right? That yes, you, because you're no longer, um, it, you know, your mind is no longer experiencing stuff as happening and it gets the good news that it happened, it's not happening, that um, my clients start to exhibit, you know, what somebody might call like a secure attachment behaviors um, where there's really like this sense of just like connection, groundedness, um, there isn't this like emotional roller coaster happening between, you know, you and your partner. Um, and really the thing that I see most, that's like the coolest thing about this stuff is that you can talk about anything, um, without like a whole series of triggers going on is that mm -hmm. anything can be discussed. Um, and I mean, that's, that's that, that power of realigning communication in the relationship. Um, and well, if you one, have one, that openness with your partner, yeah. it, it's going to create a much yeah. deeper and intimate connection than it would mm -hmm. if you're only able to kind of be that surface level. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I'll just kind of note is that there's sort of two parts to this. There is, um, you know, if we're talking about creating a secure bond, secure connection with your partner what in a relationship right like it starts with self it starts with connection to self and it starts with you being clear um and uh i mean really like it's insane what i've witnessed um how quickly these things can shift especially using this modality called rapid resolution therapy um i mean i've seen the some of the worst of the worst like especially women with sexual trauma um even in just one session feeling clear, lighter, um, can't find shame in their body around the event. Um, I mean, it's, it's like it, 
I, some people are like, what kind of magic are you doing? This is crazy, right? <laughs> um, so it starts with you, you really being clear. And I call it, you know, taking care of your side of the street. Um, until that happens, um, what I've tried and, and, and even failed with is I, a couple comes to me and I'm like, hey, here's how to realign your communication. Here's how to show up. Here's exactly what to do. You guys got it. It's, and it's pretty simple. It's like, you know, four steps to doing this and they ha- won't be able to do it. They won't be able to actually show up the way that they intend to show up for each other. Um, so what that lets me know is that one or both of them aren't clear of something first. Like there's gotta be that individual work, um, that happens first. If, if you're not able to do the, you know, communication thing with your partner. So, I mean, that brings a question to me. I feel like a lot of people say that you need to kind of have yourself entirely figured out before you get into a relationship if you want it to be healthy. Do you think Mm -hmm. that's true? Or do you think that you can do it while you're in a relationship as long as you're both individually working on yourselves while working on the relationship as well together? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that um, of course, absolutely. Like you can be in a relationship while you're doing this work. In fact, I think that's the ultimate container to be in to accelerate healing is with within a relationship. And um, and given given the circumstances that you shared, that you're each doing your own individual work and coming together to collaborate and co-create. And um, you know, there there's a level of healing and work you can do on your own or with a coach or a therapist or whoever it may be. Um, there's a whole nother level of healing available within a partnership and it just takes it to the next level. It's, I mean, it's just like magic. It's the cherry on top. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I definitely, and, and you're like on the court, right? Like if you're outside of a relationship doing healing, we can talk about stuff and what it might be like. But when you're in a relationship, you're on the court, it's happening in real time. And therefore you're healing and rewiring and reprogramming your beliefs, behaviors, um, old patterns in real time. And I mean, there's nothing else better than that. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that like the healing that you can do with a partner and, you know, a good partner who's also doing their own work is yep. so incredible. Um, I am now in a very healthy relationship. I've been mm-hmm. with this person for over a year now. And he brought out so many good things in me that I thought were yeah. lost, you know? Yeah. It's crazy how right. it happens when you have that person and mm-hmm. that security and trust within that relationship. Right. right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole thing called relational healing. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what, you know, you, if, if you do seek out, you know, working with a coach or, or a therapist, like that is relational healing there. Um, but there's like this insane deeper level of relational healing that can happen in a um, emotionally safe, uh, physically safe r- romantic relationship. And I, I also like from personal experience, um, I mean, God, I like, I, my, my mother wounds ran deep. <laughs> Let me tell <laughs> you. <laughs> oh my God. Crazy. Like the most 
challenging relationship of my life. And, um, and so, you know, I can look back and be like, oh, that's why I haven't, I ha used to have an anxious attachment style because I wasn't getting my needs met, right? Like, this isn't about like blaming the parents. It's, it's just like sharing the science of like where it shows up. Um, but, you know, there's, there's this thing that goes on. And this, again, this is all at subconscious level. And there is even a theory called Imago theory, which I don't know. Have you heard of this Imago theory? Mm -hmm. So, and, um, like the, the, the mind and the body are always looking to heal. They're always looking to improve and thrive. And so if like what was going on with me and my mom is that um, like when there's like un, undealt with stuff, um, sure, we can call it a, a bunch of little small T traumas for me, right? When there's a bunch of gunk there that goes unresolved with a parent is what we do is we seek out unconsciously seek out partners who remind us of the parent that we had the most conflict with. And so it never freaking failed. I was like, why am I dating my mom? Wait, how am I dating my mom again? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. And there was, it's just like the, the, the qualities and characteristics. Um, uh, yeah, it, it just, it was wild. Right. And so I, what's such a beautiful thing is when you do your own individual healing, especially like in between relationships as well like if you're coming out of one where you're like oh my god I was just dating my dad um that didn't work right it's like you can see it and then you'll start to notice that you're you're interested in in partners who are so different than um what you had been attracted to like you're interested in secure um healthy partnership that's what's intriguing to you mm -hmm. um if you grew up in chaos um your subconscious mind will seek chaos just because it feels familiar, even though conscious, you're like, no, what the heck? Like, this isn't what I want in a relationship. Um, and, and peace can sometimes feel boring, like a peaceful, grounded, healthy, secure relationship. If there's unresolved trauma, mother wound, father wound going on there. Um, yeah, it, it like, can feel you're like this is like too chill and you'll seek or create drama or trauma or whatever it is and it's just it's just noticing it's, I am so guilty of that <laughs> oh my god yeah totally totally it's just an awareness game yeah yeah it's it's a funny thing like well yeah uh yeah I had a client recently who um final like finally has uh, you know uh in this relationship with this guy that's like totally secure rock solid literally like showing up for her in ways she's never been shown up for and she's like I don't know I mean it's just kind of like boring it's sort of boring and I'm like okay 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 well let's focus on that right um and she was able to laugh and see you know that okay yeah that's just my that's just my trauma talking there mm -hmm. um so uh yeah yeah I mean we can be playful with it and just curious about it and just noticing like what are my patterns um you know an exercise that I did that was super powerful was was looking back at all the people I had dated and see and like what were their similarities and what had my unconscious mind been seeking that really wasn't working and then that was a trailhead for me to see like where um you know what within me can I examine heal shift yeah. I've always loved the phrase that like 
the things that we either love or hate about another person is yeah. usually a reflection of ourselves in yes. some way. Yeah, totally. Oh my God, that gets into shadow work. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, right. So, and well, I'll just give you a quick drop of, of, you know, what I'm referring to as shadow work and our shadow is, is really like, um, I see our shadow as like a, a bucket, like a really dirty bucket that you put down in the basement that you don't want anyone to see. And it's full of all the qualities and characteristics that you just despise, about yourself it's like all the rejected um unexamined behaviors qualities and characteristics that you would never want anyone to know is there in the basement um and uh yeah yeah I mean it's like like you just said that um you know our judgments what we like hate or love in someone else like everyone is our mirror everyone is our mirror and everyone is our teacher and so it it's like uh I love this example. So, you know, those ink blot tests that like old therapists used to do. And it's just, it's, it looks like nothing. It's just splattered ink on a page. And um, I don't know, let's say there's like two people there and there's like this blonde guy and he's like, what do you see in this ink blot? And he's like, I see an ice cream cone and um, magical fairies. And you're like, okay. And then ask the other guy, some, I don't know, brown haired guy, like, what do you see in the ink blot? And he's like, I see a dead bunny rabbit. And you're like, okay <laughs> right and so so we get you know it was used so we get a lot of information about um how those two people's minds are working and maybe their perceptions of themselves or just however their their own mind is working right um we don't get any information about the ink blot like zero information about the ink blot the ink blot is just the ink blot mm-hmm. and so when we are being judged or being judged right we get a lot of information about like if you're the one doing the judging of somebody else we get a lot of information about how your mind is processing information Um, we get a lot of information about parts of yourself that maybe you've rejected or abandoned or denied Um, we get information about what you like about yourself what you think is you know quote unquote good uh, good behavior uh, but we really get no information about the other person Mm -hmm. zero they're just the ink blot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that exact idea is where a lot of like miscommunication comes up between partners too. Mm-hmm. One of the best things that I've like heard is when you're having some sort of a miscommunication, you're arguing, whatever, it's yeah. always important to ask the other partner what they heard from you. Because sometimes yeah. the yeah. things that we're saying and the way that we interpret it is different than the way that they see it and they interpret it based on their experiences and what's going on with them oh totally totally um yeah I mean and that's that's uh like the number when we're looking at okay well how do we start to realign communication in our relationship it um starts with this process of direct reflection um that's where I start with all of my couples is Uh, somebody's the speaker and the other person's the listener and reflector and you literally like somebody will share some like one partner one shares something in just a couple sentences partner two literally repeats back what they heard which is harder than you think right Mm -hmm. there's there's usually like a lot of um uh yeah like substituting of words that weren't even said 
And so it just goes to show that when the exercises just, just repeat back exactly the same exact words your partner said, and they're not even able to do that with just like one or two sentences, it just shows you how we listen or rather don't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Listening is totally a skill <laughs> in relationship. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I always say I, I forget there's like so many levels to communication, which is why there's so much miscommunication, but you know, there's like, there's what you intend to say. Then there's usually a difference between what you intend to say and what actually comes out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's what your partner hears you say, they'll probably miss a few words or hear something wrong. And then there's the meaning that your partner adds to what you say. And that's really where we get in trouble is adding meaning to something that is totally neutral just a fact just a circumstance the meaning gets added the meaning again is like there's a pooped up marshmallow and the sticky syrup right like it 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 ain't good (laughs) right so once you kind of work through that like trauma individually Mm -hmm. um and we've kind of gotten rid of that marshmallow and sticky syrup in our brain then how do we go about coming together as a couple to Mm -hmm. move from maybe that anxious attachment style to a more secure attachment style and relationship Mm -hmm. right yeah so with um what I notice with um with you know once somebody's clear on their side of the street meaning that behavior such as like people pleasing overthinking over worrying um, fear of abandonment, um, you know, if your partner leaves and whatever, even if they're like five minutes late, you're like, ah, I'm worried about that. Right. Like hypersensitivity, like all that stuff, um, melts away when you're clear and then it just becomes easier that like the, the biggest thing, like when you're coming, once you've done your own work and you're coming, you know, to do connect with your partner there is, um, is realizing that, uh, like where emotions come from. This is like the biggest piece that I see between couples. And um, typically what goes on, and this is like, you know, one of the biggest killers of relationship is that we, the, the normal way to think about uh, emotion is that uh, it happened from something that happened, something that's currently happening or something that might happen in the future. Um, right. So it's like your partner says something or does something. And the normal way to look at it is that, um, and, and if you feel, you know, anger about it or something like that, the normal way to think about it is like, you made me feel angry. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, that is a form of adding meaning that comes from our beautiful conscious mind, um, has the ability to, yeah, like create that meaning. And so we just want to notice that anytime we're blaming our partner for how we're feeling that we're completely giving up all of our emotional power and um the way the like the lens that you know I'll kind of just invite you to look through and not because it's 100% true and the other way is wrong but just because it's effective in relationships and creating that secure connection with your partner is seeing it as that emotions are created by the way mind processes information. And so, you know, for instance, let's say that you're on a safari and there's a zebra running from a lion. And if I were to say, 
like so let's say the guy next to you says like oh wow that that lion sure put some fear into that zebra you're you might say to me like that's an interesting way of thinking about it but i kind of think that the mind of zebra saw the lion and wanted the zebra to survive so it created fear in the body of the zebra and fear all fear is is that the body gets really strong your legs get really strong the zebra's legs get really strong so it can run really fast that's what fear is good for um all emotions are created by the mind um in uh relation to a perceived threat and so when we can look at it that way that like oh the way that i'm feeling right now has to do with how my mind is perceiving information then you completely take all your power back because when it's you and your mind and your body then you can solve it you can you can feel better if it's your partner that's like running over and like dropping anger into your body then well we have to wait for them to fix it if it's if they're the one doing it so it really is just like about taking your emotional power back so that you're not caught up in you made me feel this way you made me feel this way and you have to fix it Mm -hmm. um your partner's not going to do a very good job at being able to fix it when you're relating to it that way right the blame the criticism then you're going to get defensiveness on their end um so and and it also uh when you say you know to your partner you made me feel this way it's allowing them to live in the disillusionment that they have that type of emotional control over you mm-hmm. which just is not the case and so it's so much more powerful just to express emotions as i feel you know when this happened i felt i feel yeah. um removing that sentence of you made me feel gives you your power back and gives your partner the freedom um, to be out of the blame and the criticism and just show up and support you in those moments. It's that accountability over yourself yeah. and your feelings and moving out of that fight or flight stance, you know? So totally. what if one of the sides of the partnership is mm-hmm. working on their shit, like, yeah. you know, taking accountability for their own actions, their emotions, all of that stuff, working through those traumas, but the other side isn't. And they're mm-hmm. always playing that blame game onto the other partner. Mm-hmm. Is there something that we can do to balance that? Or do you think that it just has to each individually be done or it's not going to be able to work? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I see all the time where one person single-handedly transforms the relationship um, because what's, what happens in, um, in kind of like in partnership is there there's like this pattern of relating that doesn't work and there's a book called hold me tight by sue johnson that really gets into the details of this but um it's really looking at when you and your partner come together there's a pattern of communication like a pattern of conflict it's like a dance that you do and so when you change your dance moves your partner like cannot do the same dance moves that they, they used to do Right. And so, you know, short answer is that totally um, a relationship like that could work. Of course, it's ideal to have both people doing doing the stuff. But um, I see it all the time where when one person shifts their side of the street, 
and shows up clear and um like the partner usually follows suit and um just it it's there's like this phenomenon of mirroring um like i if you have a kid if you like you know kind of bend down and look in their face and like do a big smile they'll smile right back at you right and so um that occurs we have these things called mirror neurons in in our mind and so that occurs in romantic relationships all the time where you show up in as your best self as your highest self um and your partner will start to mirror you is is the pattern that i usually see yeah well it's that they figure out that they do don't have that power over you and like we yeah. were talking about the mirror image like what we mm-hmm. see in other people is a mirror of ourselves so i love that right absolutely yeah well awesome do you have any last like tips tricks um tools anything like that that you use with your clients that you think would be beneficial for us yeah yeah i mean i think that um really like the power of so we you know i'm just like obsessed with the subconscious mind because that's where all these like patterns and emotions and habits live and so when you're looking at um you know like creating a a deeper connection or a a different type of connection with your partner when you're looking at looking at improving your relationship whatever it is the power of like the sub the language of the subconscious mind is um, visuals, um, sound, smell, touch. It's like using the five senses. And so visualizing and like seeing like, okay, wow, like how do I want to show up in this relationship? And literally closing down your eyes and watching yourself move through the world, like your alter ego, your higher self, however you want to relate to it, but like seeing your absolute best self and getting familiar with her or him and what does that what does that person do how would that person handle the situation and um I know communication is like and even like thinking about communicating something um might feel scary sometimes right and so it's it's watching um yourself communicate and show up in a way responding like let's say you had a little something and you're like oh like even with your kid or whatever and you're like oh like I wish I would have done that differently. It's it's going back and replaying and watching yourself responding differently, responding from that grounded, clear mind. Um, that that makes all the difference in the world. That's that's like scratching the surface on some of this stuff. Um, but that is something you could definitely do on your own and take away um, from all of this. And there's one more thing that comes to mind that's just kind of this general thing with relationships and um it had it ha- like all of this has to do with connection um so any time you're feeling a certain kind of way in your relationship it's because there's a perceived lack of connection with your partner um and we all have this evolutionary drive to connect be connected with our romantic partner so that we can mate so that we can pass on our genes and this is all again coming from this primitive part of the mind um so even if you've already had kids you're not planning on have kids you don't want them whatever your mind will always um push you to connect with your partner because that's its mo um and so um just noticing that uh you know most of the time if we're feeling disconnected if we're feeling a certain kind of way we have the capacity to blame like i talked about we're like you you know you're the reason why i feel this way and like the last thing we want to do is connect 
but connecting back with your partner is always going to have you feel better. Um, so what happens when your mind is perceiving disconnection as a threat between you and your partner is that it causes a discomfort in your body. And that discomfort, um, just like, you know, if you haven't eaten all day, your mind will cause hunger, a sensation of hunger in your body to try to get you to eat so, so you can survive. So, or if you're, you haven't drinking all day, your, your body will cause the sensation of thirst to try to urge you to drink some water. So this is the same thing in romantic relationship. If your mind perceives a disconnection between you and your partner, it will cause discomfort in your body that usually shows up as like frustration or hurt or like, and you're like, ah, all right. And you're like, the last thing you think you want to do is go connect with them. Um, but that is actually the solution. And it sounds kind of funny. Um, and I mean, if you have a dog, you can think about it like this. Like, I know if my dog is, is kind of feeling like, you know, a little bit disconnected from me, a little bit lonely, whatever. I, maybe I've been working all day. Um, that dog will come over to me and like rub its head and it's like, Hey, and hey, just like, right. Like wagging its tail and just like shoving himself on me to reconnect. And then he feels connected. It feels good. Right. And so if only we could be more like dogs in romantic relationship, <laughs> where if we're feeling any sort of emotion that feels uncomfortable in our body, that moving in, moving closer and connecting is the solution to feeling better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, Absolutely agree. That's one thing that I have been working on in my current relationship mm -hmm. is like the moment I start to feel myself like get irritated with my partner yeah. or like, you know, feel myself wanting to start picking fights or whatever. It's yeah. usually because I'm feeling very disconnected and Holy. I've gotten into the habit of just saying, I need some attention right now. Like yes! I will literally tell my partner, I need some yes. attention right now. I'm feeling totally. disconnected. Whether uh -huh. that's just like laying in bed together mm -hmm. or like watching a movie and cuddling up or just like right. holding my hand in the car. I just need some sort of a mm -hmm. connection from you mm -hmm. right now. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And it instantly solves it every time. Oh my gosh. Yep. Totally. It's like the conversation, like whatever it was, doesn't even need to be had because as soon as you're connected, your mind's reading that as yay, good. And then it just, it stops the feeling because it's no longer needed because, you know, the job is complete. You've mm -hmm. connected. That's all your, that's all your mind wanted you to do. That's the only purpose of emotion is to get you to do something. Um, and that, that thing is always connecting when it comes to our partners. Yeah. Yeah. We love connection with people in general, but especially our partners. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're wired for it. And, um, that that's another thing that that book um hold me tight by sue johnson gets into it, it does talk about some attachment style stuff but i mean it's all about creating that secure bond and being able to feel secure being emotionally dependent on each other like that we're humans like we're not you know we still have those primitive parts of the mind just like a dog does that like wants to cuddle and be close and like whatever it may be and um yeah, that's, that's like the biggest misconception I see is like, oh, you should just like be able to like, be on your own all the time and not need me and not be, you know, whatever, but like, we're wired for emotional dependency as human beings. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. I feel like you've brought us so many awesome things to think about and work through ourselves. Do you want to tell us where we can find you 
Um, yeah. If you have anything available for us, all of the good things. Absolutely. Yes. So um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. My handle is at the right Erica and it's um, my last name is right. So W-R-I-G-H-T-E-R-I-C-A. Um, come find me there for all sorts of goodies. Um, I I will be announcing soon um, uh, a fun a fun little freebie coming out a new a new course. So that will be free to to all of you. That just looks at like okay, how do I how do I um, create a relationship that really feels connected? And it's all about emotional mastery, emotional freedom, um, just regulating your nervous system. Um, so that you are calm, cool, collected, focused, grounded, um, and just feeling good. Um, so check, yeah, that, that'll that'll be announced soon on my social media. Um, and yeah, you know, the the other thing I'll say too, so my my background is in with this rapid resolution therapy and um checking out like a specific rapid resolution um session. I mean, that's something that I would highly recommend um if you're curious about it. And like I said, like I personally have worked with clients where if there's a feeling of anything from the past, um, um, even like sexual trauma, um, shame or hurt or like disgust or like any of fear, any of those feelings, those emotions um, that that can be cleared um, much more quickly than you can imagine. And that's because we're working with the subconscious mind. And so even like one session will blow your mind. Think of it as kind of like an intensive and, um, uh, you can find, um, uh, you know, I, I offer this work. I offer these, these sessions, um, you know, can reach out and connect with me. Um, also going to rapidresolutiontherapy.com and finding a, um, therapist on their website. Um, Dr. John Connolly is the founder. He is my trainer and mentor. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, there's also a book he wrote called life changing conversations. I highly recommend picking that up just to kind of get a sense and a flavor. Um, and then Dr. John Connolly also offers, um, uh, I think it's like week weekly free access to him where he's like actually coaching and moving you through, like anyone can show up totally free. It's called the solutions call. You can find it on their website. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's just insane. It'll give you a little taste of what rapid resolution therapy is all about. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a brilliant thing. Um, you can also, uh, I offer free discovery calls, free consultation calls. So if you're curious and want to know more about me, my process, what's available to you, um, let's, yeah, we can hop on a call. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here yeah. with us. Of course, of course, of course. Such a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll be connected soon. If you love this episode, please let us know by submitting a review or sharing with the women in your life. We'll see you next time.